0: and welcome once again. You know, we truly consider it a joy. That you would connect with us and most importantly with the Lord week after week. My name is Nestor Flores. I'm one of the campus pastors and uh, I want to welcome you. So, whether this is your first time connecting with us at our Mission Hills campus, at our Van Nuys campus, or one of our other satellites or microsites, we are so glad that you are tuning in today. If this is your first time, we send you a special greeting. If we are your home church, we want to let you know know that we love you. Well, we're in the midst of a series that we've titled Elevate Your Life. And what we're doing is that we're looking at scripture to see the different ways that God has given us to be able to elevate our life. And in the midst of this pandemic, it's easy to give up, to give in, to give up. It's easy to kind of just get stuck. But listen, I believe that God wants to elevate your life. What do you say we pray? And then we go into today. Day's message. Heavenly Father, we come before you ready to receive your word. Father, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Help us to use that to love you and others better. Teach us something new about you and correct any wrong views we may have. But most importantly, Lord, that we may live according to your word. Father, we're ready and we need to hear from you. In Jesus name, amen and amen. We Well, in this series, um, Elevate Your Life, we're looking at those resources. We're looking at those tools, at those disciplines. We're looking at the ways that God has given us to be able to elevate our life. And we're looking at how they elevate our life. In past weeks, we've learned that fasting breaks, releases, and renews. We've learned that prayer gives us access to God's realm, gives us access to our heavenly blessings. Last week, we saw God's. God's word, we saw how God's word elevates us by producing growth in us, by producing success, by bringing out the best version of ourselves and by by making an impact on us To make an impact in others. Today, we want to talk about how the Holy Spirit elevates our life. Now, I know that when there's certain people, and I think there's a good number of people, that when they hear the word, the Holy Spirit, a variety of ideas come to mind. The word spirit leads them to think of a ghost or a floating mist. And and the truth is that in my experience, I've discovered that many people don't know how to feel about the Holy Spirit. And too many people don't really know who he is or how he operates. And some are even put off. Some are even precautious when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because they have these mystic ideas. Or, or they have this image of some weird, inappropriate, uh, hyper-spiritual behavior that they've seen in somebody else. And today we want to talk about how the Holy Spirit elevates our life. But I think it's important for us to really know and understand who the Holy Spirit is. And you need to know that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's not a ghost and he's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible tells us that he's the third person of the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who three are one. And see the Holy Spirit is God. Is God in spiritual form? It is God who has always wanted to interact with us. That's been God's desire to interact with us. And throughout time, He's done it in different ways. God has been revealed, God has revealed Himself to us through His Word as the eternal Father. God became human in Jesus through the incarnation. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And now, God, the Holy Spirit, wants to interact with us in a very intimate and personal way. And the Holy Spirit is God living not just with us, but very importantly, in us. Look at what Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Advocate. You see the Trinity here, who will never what? Leave you. Why did he say that? Well, because although Jesus became human, he returned to his place of honor and power and authority. Verse 17 says, he is the Holy Spirit. He is the other advocate. Who's the other advocate? The Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because what? He lives with you now and later will be in you. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit descended on people. But he would never remain. He would never stay. For example, he would come upon Saul and he would, the Holy Spirit would fill Saul with his presence so that he could prophesy. But then he would depart from Saul. The Holy Spirit would come upon David. In fact, he did it several times so that David could do great things. But then he would leave David. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson to give him the strength for which Samson was very well known for. But then he would leave Samson. See, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. You got to pay attention to this. Because of what Jesus did. Because of the work of Jesus Christ in the New Testament now, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell permanently in his followers. That's you and me. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells, lives not just with us, but in us. And God now dwells through the Holy Spirit. And why does he dwell in us? Well, because he wants to empower us. To live godly and victorious lives. See, in the New Testament, when Jesus, it all began in the New Testament. When Jesus was being baptized by his cousin John, John the Baptist. And we see that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon Jesus. And it was empowering Jesus so that he would exercise his ministry here on earth. And then we see the Holy Spirit be poured out on the 120 who had been praying in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And he was poured out on them to empower them to speak another language and to do miraculous work. And here's the best part. The Holy Spirit indwelling people, empowering people didn't stop in the book of Acts. Today the Holy Spirit continues to to fill, it continues to dwell in the hearts of every believer. And I want you to know that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple, are the living house of the Holy Spirit. And every believer now has the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. And as he dwells in us, as he lives in us, he is producing fruit in us. What is that fruit? Well, the Bible tells us that it's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is how you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you and it's working through you. But we also see that the Holy Spirit in our days today is still baptizing believers, empowering us to be powerful witnesses of the God to others. We see the Holy Spirit bestowing spiritual gifts upon those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus so that we can serve others and contribute to the body of Christ which is the church. I hope you can tell how excited I am about the Holy Spirit because you know what Jesus said it is better for you that I leave because if I don't leave the advocate won't come. And and when I've said this in other occasions, how could it be that it was better for us that Jesus, the Son of God, would leave us? And it was better because Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. But the Holy Spirit is now God in us. So with this in mind, with this in mind that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, that he's there to empower us. I want to share three ways that the Holy Spirit elevates our life. You ready for this? If you're ready, ready, right there where you are, if you're on our Facebook or YouTube or however you're watching this, would you type, I'm ready, pastor, I'm ready with you. Three ways that the Holy Spirit elevates our life. Number one, the first way that the Holy Spirit elevates my life is by bringing me conviction. Look at what John 16, 7 and 8 says. It says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. This is Jesus speaking. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The word convict, that is used here in greek is the word eleko which means to convince and when jesus uses this word the meaning that he that he's intending to use as he's using the word convince is to reprove to refute or to question a witness And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit acts as a prosecutor who exposes evil, who denounces crime and convicts people that they are wrong and that they need a Savior. And this convicting is the initial work of the Holy Spirit. And see, we can come to God, we can come to Jesus Because the Holy Spirit begins the work of convicting us, of convincing us that we need a Savior and that we are in sin. Let me explain this a little bit further. The Bible tells us that we're all born with a sinful nature. Everyone, everyone. That's why it is easier to do wrong than it is to do good. And see, because of the fall of Adam, every human being is born physically alive but spiritually dead. But the Bible says, the Bible says that sin is the reason we are spiritually dead. When Adam sinned, he died spiritually. And because we're descendants of Adam, we are born spiritually. We are born physically alive, but spiritually dead because of sin. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 2, 13, the first part of that verse. He says, you were at one time spiritually dead because of Of your sins. Check this out. When someone is spiritually dead, sinning and doing what's wrong and evil is as natural as breathing and walking. That is why a person can live his life immersed in sin and evil and what is wrong and think that it's okay. Think that nothing is wrong because they are spiritually dead. It is only when the Holy Spirit comes and he brings conviction, he convinces us that that we can realize the reality of our situation. When we can see sin, where we can see uh, the, the, the evil that we're doing, the wrong that we're doing. And see, he convinces us, he convicts us so that we can realize our sin, so that we can realize our predicament, so that we can repent. Come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. And see, here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the beauty of the message of Jesus. When you repent, and to repent is to turn to God. It's to go the opposite direction. If you're going towards sin, to repent is not just that you feel bad, but that you turn the other way. And if you were going to sin, now you go to God. When we repent, when we turn to God, The Bible says that he forgives us and that he gives us life, that he gives us life. And what he means by that is that he brings our spirit to life. Look at what the second part of Colossians 2.13 says, it says, but God has now brought you to life. Speaking about spiritual life, because we are physically alive. And he does it with Christ. God forgave us all our sins. This is the wonderful initial work of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't bring conviction, if he doesn't convince us of our sin, we're going to continue to believe that the wrong that we're doing, that the sin that we're living in is okay and that we don't need God and we'll never repent and we'll never be forgiven. See, we call this initial work of the Holy Spirit to be born of the Spirit or to be born again because it leads us to a new life And a relationship with God. And see this initial work of convicting. Of convincing us of our sin. It's what leads to salvation. Have you ever asked yourself. Why is it that that when somebody comes to Jesus. We say that they're saved. Have you ever asked yourself. What are we saved from? Well we're saved from our life of sin. We're saved From eternal damnation because sin leads to death. And we're saved from eternal separation from God because sin separates us from God. So when you come to Jesus, we say, oh, I was saved today. And what we were saved from is from the life of sin, from an eternity of of eternal damnation and from eternal separation from God. That's what we're saved from. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of our sin so that we can receive the salvation that Christ purchased for us on the cross. And let me tell you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, he elevates your life. And the first way he elevates you is by leading you to salvation. And salvation brings with it many blessings, many, many things. But let me tell you three things that you can expect, that you can experience when you experience salvation. The first thing that salvation gives me is forgiveness. And we've mentioned that. See, forgiveness means that we are free from our sinful past and the consequences of our sinful past because he paid for them at the cross. Look at what Colossians 2.14 says. It says, he Cancel the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The bad stuff, the hurtful, dumb, evil things that you did in your past, when you come to Jesus, they're canceled. No more condemnation, no more guilt, no more regret because Jesus canceled it at the cross. The second thing that salvation gives me is purpose. When you experience the salvation of Jesus Christ, you have a new purpose. Once you're forgiven, you start a new life. A life of communion with God. A life of growth and maturity. A life of abundant fruit and joy. A life of purity and holiness. A life of goodness and kindness. A life that serves others by sharing with others what God has given to them. See, God transforms your life and he gives you a new purpose. And the third thing that salvation gives me is also a new destination. Salvation means that we will live for eternity with God in heaven. See, once we were on route to hell and to eternal death. But now we are part of God's own family. And we are headed to our heavenly home. And the Holy Spirit is God with and In us, leading us to the presence of God forever. So the Holy Spirit elevates our life by bringing conviction. The second way that the Holy Spirit elevates my life is by filling me with the fullness of God is by filling me with the fullness of God. Look at what Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In other words, we all come from God. He's our creator. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen with power through his spirit and where your inner being or your inner man, says another version. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is such a rich passage in doctrine and theology. See, here's here's what you need to know. It's one thing to be born of the Spirit and it's another thing to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. We are born of the Spirit when we acknowledge our sin, repent, turn to God and ask for forgiveness. But after being forgiven, you need to know that you can be filled with the fullness of God. And this is where I think many Christians have stopped in their spiritual journey. They've come to God. They've been forgiven. They've been cleansed. But they're still full of themselves. They're still full of their own thinking. They're still full of their own desires. Why? Because they haven't been filled with the fullness of God or with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, Here, we have a cup that has been cleansed, that has been forgiven. Picture that this cup was dirty and when it is convicted by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and he cleanses that cup. And now you're pure, now you're cleansed. But there's a problem. This cup is still full of itself. And so you can come to God and you can repent and receive God's forgiveness and still be full of yourself. And we have too many people who are full of themselves. Why? Because they haven't received the fullness of God. See the air inside the cup that you can't see, but you know it's there, represents that the cup is full of itself. So what God does is that he does the following. He wants to pour His Holy Spirit on us. How do you get a cup to be empty of itself and be filled with God? Well, the the oil represents the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic. So let me illustrate it this way. When God pours and fills us with the Holy Spirit, what he's doing is that as he's filling us with the Spirit, we can be emptied of ourselves. And see, let me tell you something. A cup that is full of the Holy Spirit, a person that is full of the Holy Spirit is very different than a person who is not. And see, the Holy Spirit elevates our lives by leading us and filling us with the fullness of God. Now, look at what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 27. He said, and I will put my spirit... In you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I want you to know that without the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it's hard to walk the Christian life. So Christ doesn't only, he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to fill you with his presence, the presence of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit for various reasons. Let me tell you quickly why. Why? The first reason he wants to fill you is so that you can experience the presence of God. See, in the Old Testament, we have this picture of the tabernacle, of the temple, and we have the holiest of holies, where the presence of God lived. And it was symbolic of what God wanted to do with us. And now, as God filled that holy of holies, now God wants to fill our hearts with the spirit so that we can experience his presence, so that we can experience his glory. And he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Because the more you are filled, the more you can experience his presence. The second reason Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit is so that his life can flow through you. Jesus said in one occasion, he said, it's not what goes in a person that contaminates a person. It is what comes out of that person that contaminates the person. And and what Jesus was saying is that the inside has greater effect on the outside than the outside on the inside. And see, when the inside is dirty, dirt will eventually come out sooner or later. But if the inside is good, then what's going to come out is good. And if Christ is what fills your inner man through the Holy Spirit, well, then the life of Jesus, it's what's going to flow out of your life. See, I know what I'm about to say next is a little strong, but it's true. The reason the life of Christ doesn't flow out of some believers is because they're refusing to allow God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And when we are filled with with the Holy Spirit... The life of Christ flows. His love, his compassion, his kindness, his peace, his character is going to be reflected in our everyday life. The third reason why Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit is so that you and I, so that we can overflow with hope. See, when you have hope, you want to move forward. When you have hope, you fight for a better future. When you have hope, you strive to achieve the dreams and the goals that God has given you. When you have hope, you persevere through hardships and difficulty. When you have hope, you don't give up on God. And the Holy Spirit gives us that hope. And at the same time, he gives us the power. He gives us the vigor, the energy, the desire, and the strength to keep moving forward. The fourth and final reason. Why Christ wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit is to build your spiritual life up. See, we are told, Paul tells us in his his epistle, that that we are to walk, that we are to live in the Spirit and not in our flesh. In other words, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not full of ourselves. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it becomes easier to walk, to live in the Spirit, which leads us to growing to maturing in our spiritual life. So the Holy Spirit elevates our lives by convicting us and by filling us with the fullness of God. But the third way that the Holy Spirit elevates my life is by anointing me to make a difference. By anointing me to make a difference. Look at what Acts 1 verses 6 and 8 says. This is Jesus speaking, just so you know. He says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord... Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Here's what Jesus replied. The father alone has the authority to set those dates in time. And they are not, they are not for you to know. But here's what Jesus says. You... You may not know that, but here's what you need to know. And here's what's really more important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in mentioning those cities, what Jesus was doing is saying, you're going to start in your local place. Then you're going to go to the next layer and the next layer and the next layer until you reach the world. And see, Jesus says that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the disciples were waiting for that took place on the day of Pentecost was meant to empower us. See, the outpouring of the Spirit points to the coronation of a king. When a king was, was crowned, when a coronation happened, the new king was always anointed with oil first. And the anointing oil was symbolic. It signified God's seal of power over that person. When the oil was poured, those uh, uh, those in the time of the Bible understood that God's authority, that God's power was upon that person. And when the holy, when the oil was poured upon a king, it wasn't this like smearing of the finger and on the forehead that we do. And we do it because it could be messy. No, no, no. When, when a king was anointed, they would take buckets of oil and they would pour large amounts of oil. And it would run throughout the whole king. And the idea was to sow, to permeate this king, this individual with the anointing oil. And that is exactly what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit. See, this outpouring, this anointing symbolizes the authority, the permission of God. And the spirit represents that anointing. It represents God's authority given to you and to me to make a difference here on earth. Did you hear me? To make a difference here on earth. He wants to anoint you so that God can continue his kingdom. When a person is filled with the spirit, we receive power. It's not about these chills. Although when the Holy Spirit comes, let me tell you, it's an experience. It's a supernatural experience. But it's about receiving power, receiving authority, receiving the anointing. Here's why. Not so that you could be weird. Not so that you know, you could see mysterious things. No, no, no. The biggest reason is so that Jesus could be replicated in your life and in my life. It's so that the ministry of Jesus can continue through you and through me. And see, Jesus operated on the power of the Holy Spirit and Scripture tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives in you and me. So you and I, we can can walk in the power of the spirit just like Jesus did. We ought to walk in that power so that Jesus can continue to to do his ministry to expand his kingdom through you and me. See Jesus was on earth for 33 years but his ministry didn't end. He continues it through you and me and he does it He continues it by giving us that power that enabled him to also do what he did. To continue reaching, to continue touching, to continue healing, to continue blessing, to continue loving, to continue calling people to God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus multiplies himself so that the world can be reached through you and through me. And you and I, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we receive the anointing, we can make a difference. We can make an impact. We can have an effect in this world because we become the hands and feet and the voice of Jesus. Church, there are thousands of people who are hungry for hope and you and I have the hope that they need. There's multitudes who need to experience God's love and forgiveness and you and I are the ones to introduce them to the love and the forgiveness that God wants to give them. Large number of sick people who need to experience the healing touch of Jesus and God wants you and I to go on his behalf to pray for them so that God's power can be manifested through us in their lives and they can experience healing. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that his power can flow through you so that his presence can manifest through you and so that his ministry so that his kingdom can be expanded through you and through me and we can have an impact in this world. That is how the Holy Spirit elevates our lives. You know when you read the Gospels. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the comforter. And while he comes to comfort us in difficult and painful times, his main part is that of coming alongside of us to give us power. A comforter is not the picture of a mom who, 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 who is, who is kind of welcoming their kid because they're scared. No, a comforter is the idea of a trainer In a fighter's corner, giving them direction, advice, and encouragement to win the fight. He's the comforter. He's the power. He's the the presence of God in us. And God wants to elevate your life to a dimension of power through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit elevates our life by bringing conviction, filling us with the fullness of God, and anointing us to make a difference. If you're a believer, if you're already a follower of Jesus Christ, here's my challenge to you. Live in awareness and dependency of the Holy Spirit. Be aware that God lives in you. Know that God is not just with you, but that he's in you. Get to know him. Learn to depend, to trust, to talk to Him. Stop living in your own strength and start living in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, the way to receive the Holy Spirit is to first receive Jesus. Remember, it is the initial work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin so that we can turn to Jesus to be forgiven. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, We want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life.